This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Sometimes in business, you just have to go back to the basics and the fundamentals of business success, no matter what's going on around you. And we are in a season right now where it's very turbulent in the business environment. We've seen a number of bank failures that have occurred. We are seeing massive layoffs in some big companies right now, and inflation is still going up high as well. So these are some challenging, volatile, and in many ways, difficult times. And here's what I'd like to say, no matter what kind of business or industry you're in, you never outgrow the need for the fundamentals. And I think a good example is really in the sports world. When a golfer is suddenly just not doing as well as they had been doing before, the golf coach goes back to fundamentals and says, let's analyze your golf swing. Let's see how your feet are planted. How are you addressing the ball? What's going on? And they watch the player look at the golfer, review videotapes and decide what in the fundamentals might need to be shifted so that the person goes back to the winning formula and what works for them at the fundamental level. The same is true in basketball. And often it's a matter of the fundamentals of shooting baskets, dribbling, making the three-point shots, the technique for that, the fancy footwork, how do you pass the ball in really challenging and interesting circumstances. And also in football camp, when players are in football camp, they are practicing fundamentals so that they'll be ready for the game. And that's really what we're talking about. The same is true in business. The fundamentals are really the foundation for everything else that you do. Even when times look really different, you want to think about even though you might be tempted to go with some exotic strategies, I would say. And it doesn't mean that you can't use something new or that something new might not be appropriate. Yes, of course, that's true. However, when things are really out of kilter and very different, often it's time to get back to the fundamentals and to master the fundamentals. And when you do master the fundamentals, what I've discovered is that it reveals new business opportunities. And so that's why it's always great to practice the fundamentals so you can see what's going on. So today I want to talk about five business fundamentals that are important to practice and important to go back to, and especially in times of uncertainty, in times of change, in times of volatility. So number one, I want to talk about communication and specifically the art of what I'll call the state of the business address. Many times when there's change and volatility, the communication shrinks. And instead of messaging more from the executive level, 
the executives are messaging less. And because of the change in volatility, you really need to communicate more with the workforce. There are more factors where people can get confused, where they can hear things from the grapevine that aren't true, and rumors can really gain a foothold if they're not hearing real communication and real information from the executive level in the business. So I would say that as things are more volatile and change, you want to communicate more, more frequently, more deeply. You want to leave time for people to process what you're saying and to ask questions as well. So the state of the business address is huge because you as the CEO, you're talking to the workforce and you're explaining what's coming down the pike, what's been happening in the business, what's happening in the industry, what are you working on, what steps are you planning to take, what's already in the works, and sometimes you need to cover what you're not doing. People may be fearing massive layoffs, and if that's not what you're doing, you will want to put their minds at ease and to say that's not the way you're walking through the season, and maybe you are going through a reorganization, and whatever you can say about that, you may want to say as well. So I think that the state of the business addresses is important so that everyone hears the same message, they hear the truth and what can be shared, and they also get to ask questions. And absent this, people get nervous, they get worried, they can't fully pay attention because there's something in the background that has their minds occupied. So when you give a state of the business address, you are really helping your workforce to be in sync with you and not to be worried about unnecessary things that they don't really need to worry about. I think it's important in the state of the business address, not just to talk about problems and issues that are difficult that are going on. You also want to talk about what are the strengths of your organization? What are you doing well? How do you see the future? What part of that future is positive? Where is the opportunity? And how is the company planning to leverage that future opportunity? Talk about the personnel that you have, how thankful you are for them, congratulate them on their successes and what they're doing well. Now, it doesn't mean you avoid or ignore things that need to be addressed. It's just that you don't have a one-sided update and only talk about the problems. And when you talk about the problems, you want to also have directions in place. You want to have pathways forward that you can share solutions that are in mind for how the company will work through this season. I also think it's important to invite the workforce to participate in planning for the future. So invite them to weigh in with their leaders and to talk about ideas that they have that may help with some of the opportunities and challenges that you might share in the state of the business address. So this is an important communication tool and sometimes executives don't use it as much as they could. And I would say you cannot fully delegate this responsibility until first you have given the message, people have heard your voice, they've heard your update, and then your executive team members and others can echo 
what you have said. Then everybody knows how to take the other messages and how they link to the original message from the executive CEO level. So make sure that people get to hear your voice. The other thing I would just remind you about is that you as the executive are in the boardroom with your executive team and you're talking about these issues all the time. And it can feel like or seem like everybody knows this already or this information is out. Remember, the workforce is not in the boardroom with you. So you have to take the conversations from the boardroom out into the company arena so that everybody is informed and knows what's going on. So that's another reason and purpose for the state of the business address. The second thing I want to mention is what I'll call scanning the environment to look for customer or client opportunities. As environments are changing in the workplace, that means life for your customers is likely also changing. You want to know how things are changing for your customers, what's getting easier, what's harder, and what's the opportunity for you to add value to your customers and your clients. So let's say, for example, that you're working in a manufacturing environment and you've got a lot of deep expertise that you've had for many years because you're what I call a legacy organization. You've been around for a long time and you may be serving clients who are experiencing a lot of turnover. They have personnel coming in and out and maybe they've lost some of their internal wisdom and institutional knowledge. However, you've been working with them for years. You have the institutional knowledge. You have the wisdom that is important for them. How wonderful if you could be a great partner at this time and use that knowledge and expertise for the benefit of your customers. And when they see that you want to add value about something that they care about and that would help them to get through this rough patch when in fact they may have lost some of their institutional knowledge on the inside, this makes you more valuable as a partner in the business. And when you're more valuable and you're bringing that value for the benefit of your customer and your client so that they won't have to miss a beat. They can continue to do well. And in fact, they might even do better because of the way that you come alongside and educate them as you're going through this season of challenge or crisis together. And, you know, customers are willing to pay for that because not every partner is going to partner you know, with the customer and client. So you get to become distinctive in this marketplace and to do something that's necessary, that's needed, that's wanted, and that many others are choosing not to do. So this gives you, again, what I would refer to as a creative advantage when you're able to partner with your client and to make their lives better as a result of the relationship, because you have knowledge, 
you have expertise, you have ways of going forward, and you help them think about what is in their best interest. So that's a really powerful piece to always be scanning the environment, talk to your customers, find out what are they struggling with, what do they think they need, and as you listen, you will probably find an opportunity and you'll probably find a way that you can help in this time and a way that you can fulfill at least some of the needs that the client is mentioning. So that's a very important piece. Number two, scanning the environment, talking to the customers, finding out what's going on. Number three, what I would offer is what I'll call intentional culture transfer. When you have a lot of people coming into the business, in and out, maybe new people, and even just a reset for those who've been there for a long time, and maybe they're not sure how the values that you've held all along fit in this season, or even if you intend to maintain the same values in how you operate. So it's important to intentionally let people know how do we do business around here? What's important to us? What are our company values? And I don't mean just the values posted on the door or the wall. Those values are insignificant company stories and examples of how you operated and worked with customers and clients in the past. So these stories are stories of how you've helped a client in a difficult situation or crisis, a way that you've added value and done something new. These are stories about problem solving, and they show what you care about and what defines you as an organization. And remember, many of the new people who are coming in, they may have been in environments that did not have the same shared values in all of these respects. So let's say in your organization, you believe that you want to go the extra mile to provide for your customers and your clients. You're always looking for a way to make a difference and to do something that's extra. Well, some of the new people coming into your organization, they may be coming from context where their employer wanted them to do as little as possible, possibly to cut corners, to get away with less. And that may not be how you want to treat your customers and clients. So you want to have these stories about success in your organization that reflect the values of how you did go the extra mile for that customer or client, or how you might have provided something extra that really wasn't part of the deal, but it was part of adding value in a profound way. And so these stories, these examples, they teach the workforce what's really important. And they remind the workforce about what's really important in case they've already heard that before and they already know this is only a reminder. For the new people, it becomes a blueprint. It becomes, oh, that's what we're about here. And so now when I'm faced with this 
decision in front of the customer, I know that the values are to meet the customer as best I can, do what's in their best interest, and add value to them, not do the minimum, not to cut corners. And you want your workforce aligned with you and showing up every day in front of the customer and client in the office, showing up in concert with your deeply held values and what you really believe in, in the company. That's really important. The fourth item I will talk about is training. Training is huge. And when I'm talking about training, I mean for the role that your employee has in the company. You may be hiring new people because of this opportunity or because of the great reset that's out there and the way people are moving around right now. You're getting new employees in. Here's the thing you want to keep in mind. Maybe you're hiring an engineer and that engineer worked for a completely different company and organization, maybe in the same industry or not. You cannot assume that because they know engineering, they're educated, they're highly skilled, they're an experienced person in engineering, doesn't mean that what they did before and how they did it is what you want them to do in your organization. So the training is important because it lets the employee, the team member know, how is my engineering skill applied in this context? What does the job look like here? Now, sometimes people assume they're educated, they're an engineer, I don't have to tell them anything. They'll just plug right in and know what to do. That becomes a recipe for disaster because they don't know your systems. They don't know your approach and how to navigate in your environment. That has to be taught and shown. Now, when team members don't get the training, a lot of things occur. For example, you will find that many mistakes will be made. Quality is going to suffer because they might not do the work in the right way. You will find that time is wasted. And in times of change and busy, you don't have time to waste. So time is wasted. There's rework. And all of this cost money. So if you produce something that's poor quality, that's a cost. If you take too long to do it, that's a cost. If you have to redo it and rework it, that's a cost. And if any of this is customer or client facing, you might not look like you have your act together to your customer or client. And that could be detrimental to your brand and how you're seen in your industry and your marketplace, and what future opportunities you might have. So you definitely want your workforce to be trained, understand their jobs, how to do them well, and be ready to deliver in the way that is consistent with the quality that is how you want to be viewed and seen in front of your customers and in the marketplace. The other thing that happens is when there's an absence of training, employees feel as though they've been abandoned and they don't get a sense of success because there are many more extra failures that they experience because 
They didn't have the instruction. They didn't have the training in what they were doing. And when they don't feel supported, now they're much more likely to leave and to go to another organization where they can get the training and support and feel like they can leverage and use their skills, know that they are valued. So the training tells your team members that you care about them and that you are willing to invest in their success and to invest in their development. Now, a lot of times companies They're not skipping the training because they don't think it's important or they don't care about it. It's that they get too busy and they're so busy, they don't realize that they can't afford to skip the training. A lot of time and a lot of frustration can be saved by taking the time upfront to do the necessary training. So this is one of those cases, pay me now or pay me later. And I would suggest that doing this upfront, making the investment upfront is really going to be more valuable for you and those you serve than paying it on the back end and having then also the cost of losing employees and having to attract and hire additional ones. So training is an important part of attraction and retention of the best team members for your business. So you want to remember that. The fifth item that I'd like to mention is what I'll call modeling the way. And it's kind of a secret weapon, if you will, because you want to treat employees like you want them to treat the customers. Many times organizations will say, yes, These are our values. Here's how we want you to treat the customer. However, the way that the employee is treated at work is the opposite of what the company is saying that they want the employee to do with the customer. So you want to demonstrate what you want to see from the employee by treating the employee in the way you want them to treat the customer. So imagine, for example, that there's an airline out there and the airline really talks about how they love their customers and they're into customer service and so on. And yet, if you fly on that airline, you find that the desk personnel in the airport, the gate agents, the flight attendants are all unpleasant and mean and nasty. In spite of the fact that the airline may have some advertising or promotions that say just the opposite, what you can know is that most likely the people who work for that airline have not been treated well, and therefore it's cascading and being passed down to the customer. So if you want your workforce To do the right thing by the customer, you have to do the right thing by the workforce. The workforce will follow your example. And those who are treated well or in a good mood, that's how they show up at work. Now, on the other hand, if they're treated poorly, they're disenfranchised, that's how they're going to act 
when they're in front of the customer. So know that you can affect that just by modeling the way. And sometimes people haven't seen what it looks like to treat customers well. So don't assume they know. Yet if they've been treated as internal customers along the lines of what you're looking for, not only do they have head knowledge about it, they now have heart knowledge about it. They've been through it. They've experienced it with you. And that's what's really important. So in these turbulent times, I just want to remind you, it's important to master again the basics, the fundamentals of the business. Make sure that they're in place. Your success is going to be based on those fundamentals and learning what additional opportunities are out there because you're practicing the fundamentals at a high level. So let me mention them quickly again. One is communication. Communicate more. Communicate more often. Give more information. Hold those state of the business addresses so people understand what's going on. Number two, continue to scan the environment. Know what's going on in your industry. Know what's going on with your customers. Find out what they're struggling with. Find out what they're looking for in terms of help and assistance moving forward and see how you can be part of their solution and add value. Number three, focus on culture transfer. Be intentional about the stories, the examples that you share in the company about here is us at our best living out our values and here's how we made a difference. So that's intentional. Number four, train people. Train people in their jobs. Also train people in the systems and technologies that you use so that automation and technology can help you to be more efficient and more effective and manage the workforce with less errors. So the training on the specific job as well as equipment and technology. And then number five, reminding you to model the way and treat your internal customers, meaning your workforce, as the customers that they really are to you. And that will show them how to treat the customers of your business. So today, as we are closing out this segment, I want to read something from Proverbs, the eighth chapter, I'm starting with verse 12, going through 21. And this is about wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. And this is wisdom personified, given a personality, if you will. And it happens to be a female personality. And so we're going to hear what wisdom has to say. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. 
riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Yes, than fine gold and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth that I may fill their treasuries. So wisdom is saying she's standing by to help you in this season to figure out what to do to move forward with understanding, to move forward with strength, with knowledge, with instruction, and with wisdom. So pay attention to wisdom's message for you today and for your business success and for how you resource your customers. Hello, it's Dr. Karen here, and I'm here to celebrate the work of the Bible League, which is a global ministry that provides Bibles, ministry study materials, and through activities like Project Philip, also teaches and trains local people in how to share the Word of God. So today, the president and CEO of the Bible League, Yos Snoop, is with me to share a little bit more about what the Bible League is doing. Yeah, the beauty of the local church is that it is the body of Christ, and it is the Holy Spirit that is calling the, the local church to be engaged in the Great Commission. As Bible League, we just come alongside those local pastors. Last year, I met a pastor. His name is Rolando in the Amazon, and he has this great vision to reach 200 communities with the Word of God. And we're able to come alongside them and help them with Bibles and resources. Thank you so much, Yos. We are all partners together. You, the Bible League, are the hands and feet to the local people on the ground, and there are partners and donors out there who can be hands and feet to you as you also share with others. So those of you who are listening, if you want to be part of this ministry, and I invite you to be a part of it, I'm a part of it, go to BibleLeague.org, see more about the ministry, and see how you can participate and donate. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.